Welcome to Two Therapists Talking. The hope for this podcast is to talk about important issues related to couples and individuals who are struggling in their lives with many different issues. I'm David Thompson, a marriage and family therapist. And I'm Sherry Christensen, marriage and family therapist. Please join us as we explore these issues together, and we hope you will learn and be enlightened along the way. Come find us at twotherapisttalking.com. If you like what you're hearing, please get on and rate us and subscribe to the podcast. Hi, welcome back to Two Therapists Talking. I'm Sherry. And I'm David. And we are on our second episode of talking about narcissistic personality disorder. NPD. Yes. If we say narcissistic personality disorder every time, we're going to... This is going to take forever. I'll be exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) NPD. So last time when we were talking about NPD, um, we we talked about the diagnostic criteria and we talked about personality disorders and how... This is different than how we talk about it right. as just sort of this cultural, pop culture buzzword. And so hopefully as you're looking at that, it's giving you some really good background and understanding of how um, how narcissistic personality disorder. Sorry, NPD. Here we go. See? Um. See? Narcissism. <laughs> it's almost like you start to slur it after a while. It's Narcissism true. is a funny word. It is. It's a tricky word. <laughs> We've been saying it a lot and <laughs> we're both kind of um, definitely feeling it. So, so it's important as we're talking about NPD to understand that this is different, that you really need to be looking at, uh, you know, having someone who really knows what they're talking about, um, diagnosing it and, and frankly, to understand that you can't really diagnose it if you haven't ever met or talked to the person. Right. (laughs) Right. So sometimes I think people come in and they want, uh, you as a therapist to diagnose their partner and there's no way you can do that. And if frankly, as we talked about last time, especially with personality disorders and some of these really uh, major things, uh, you really need a full psychological evaluation to really get all of that figured out. And again, if if you're going to help them to accept it and get help, that will make a difference if there's a battery of tests. And I've, I've had mm-hmm. people come in who've done the testing and that's the result. And they're like, okay, what do I do? Yeah. I don't like it. What do I do? Right. And they accepted it because of how thorough the process was versus yes. you are a narcissist. I just know it. That's hard to accept. Right. <laughs> not very many <laughs> of us <laughs> would be really thrilled with no, that. No, not at all. <laughs> Although I will say I do have a lot of clients who will ask me, do you think I have it because they have someone in their life that is just constantly berating them and telling them, you know, that they are. And in most, almost all of those situations, my response is if you are really concerned and think that you have it, you probably don't. Yeah. Yeah. If you're sensitive enough to. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Be worried and aware and all of that. Because usually the sense is that I don't care. Yeah. You're the problem. You're the problem. And if you think, yeah, (laughs) exactly. So good point. Yeah. So today we want to talk about uh, a few classifications of, uh, gosh, I almost don't want to say NPD because it's not necessarily in the DSM-5, right? So this isn't, these aren't classifications of 
narcissistic personality disorder, but they kind of are. Like, we talk about them a lot. Oh, the classifications aren't. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. Sorry. I need to... NPD is absolutely in the DSM. <laughs> NPD is. giving me this really weird look. Um, what are you talking about? So, but these kind of classifications to help you kind of understand it a little bit better are not, right? Just kind of like we talk a lot about PTSD. We talk about right. uh, CPTSD, which is complex post-traumatic disorder. And CPTSD is not in the DSM-5. But it is kind of a way that a lot of uh, professionals are are making sense of or helping to explain some of the things that happen. Right. Right. So so again, these aren't that we're talking about today are not in the DSM five, but they are helpful ways to kind of look at uh, how uh, NPD might show up. Right. Um, and the first one is classic, uh, classic NPD. And that's sort of what you think of. So the normal version of what you would think of if you thought of someone who is really um, narcissistic, mm-hmm. right? So someone that is very flamboyant, um, trying to get a lot of attention, um, you know, needing to kind of be the center of attention, just thinking they're super amazing, wanting people to kind of fawn over them, um, very outgoing, extroverted, that kind of, of feel to it. They're the ones that you would think yes. most easily, oh, I wonder like, if they're a narcissist. Oh, they, I bet they're yeah. a narcissist, right? So it's very. that's why we call it the classic. Right? Yeah. It's just kind of the normal version of what we would think of. Um, then we have the covert narcissist. And so this, again, this person is going to meet these criteria but it's almost, I don't know, sometimes I think about it in terms of like the classic being the extroverted person yeah. versus the covert being kind of the introverted yep. version. So they aren't this really flamboyant, uh, charismatic, you know, everybody adore me and let me tell you all the things. <laughs> but you will see a lot of that stuff. You'll see it's um, a lot of would have, should have, could have, I could have been the most amazing person in the world, but this person held me back. Mm-hmm. I should have accomplished this thing, but this person, you know, did this or this got in my way. And if it hadn't been for that, I would have been the most incredible, whatever it was, you know. Right. Thinking back to the grandiosity, which is yes. a big hallmark of narcissism and what we covered last episode. Exactly. So with that one, their, their exaggeration of their talents and their achievements revolves more around what could have been if only they had been given their dues, which is kind of the fantasy part of it. Yes. Very much showing up in the fantasy, fantasy side of it. Um, and, and if people or things would just get out of my way, (laughs) then I really would have, um, that unlimited success and power, um, and I really am. So you can see how, even though it's 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 not the classic version, we're still hitting, you know, these points that right. we talked about last time. Right. You know, where they, they still believe they're special and unique and really want people to admire them. They're just not kind of standing out in this very flamboyant, uh, extroverted, I'm the center of yep. attention at every party type of space. Um a lot of times 
with covert uh, narcissism, we see more uh, emotional abuse at home as well, right? These are the, the people that, you know, kind of try to do all the things and be all the things out here. And then at home, they're, you know, telling their spouse that, you know, you're the reason that I'm not successful if you weren't such a piece of trash and, you know, weren't overweight or didn't, you know, were right. better or whatever, which, which then is, I would be successful. Yeah, which again, you know, maybe the biggest hallmark or characteristic is is this lack of empathy. So mm-hmm. saying things, doing things that um, are really hurtful but don't seem to register for yeah, they're the just narcissist. It's, they're just telling it like it is. Yeah, what's your problem? Yeah, and and the spouse is is hurt and distraught and crying and emotional and it's just not registering. Yeah, which is a pretty good sign. Something's off. Right. So that's the covert. So kind of this a little bit more introverted, not as flamboyant, but you're still seeing a lot of these these uh, patterns and tendencies. The third one that that we talk about a lot is the malignant narcissist. And just like the word indicates, these <laughs> are these are the people that are actually hurting like yeah. more intentional about trying about hurting people. Yeah. Um and sometimes people really lump this into NPD in general and they just kind of think, "Oh, all narcissists are malignant." Right. Um, but they're not right. The typical, again, that classic hallmark is just this incapacity to, to see or, or feel like it matters, like what is going on for other people. They just don't matter as much as what's going on for me. Right. So I, I might hurt people or, um, exploit them, but I'm not trying to be mean. It's just this is like I'm just getting what I want and need, and you just happen just to be in, in my way. way. Yeah. Um, or I'm going to use you to get what I want because that's you know I just need to get what I want. And there's not really a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of malignant feeling to that. When you move into antisocial uh, personality disorder, so. I guess that's something we can talk about uh, just really briefly too is uh, you have to, one of the reasons why it's so helpful to get a a full psych eval is because especially with these cluster B personality disorders, they, they, they bleed together a lot. There's, there's similarities in a lot of these. So narcissism has similarities with Mm -hmm. borderline. It has similarities with antisocial personality disorder and it has uh, similarities with histronic uh, personality disorder. Um, and so you have to really be able to pull this apart and differentiate between what's what. Uh, so someone with malignant narcissism is someone who probably has some antisocial personality disorder tendencies. And probably the easiest way to describe what antisocial personality disorder is, um, is the, the, the kind of lay term for that would be a sociopath or a psychopath. Uh, so someone who gets pleasure out of hurting others. Right. And so that's where the malignant part of that narcissism. So you can have NPD with sort of this malignant flair where you have like mm-hmm. antisocial tendencies. Um, and, and again, not antisocial as in they don't like being social. It's antisocial as in 
we don't work in society well, right? Right. Um, that's the the psychopath, sociopath kind of flavor. So, um, so if you have someone with NPD that has some antisocial tendencies, uh, then you're going to see this like intentionally trying to hurt people, right? Because they get something sort of pleasurable out of that space. And and you're not going to see a lot of this in you know, partners, because it's very hard to remain in, form close relationships with the malignant, just clearly, you know. Right. The other the other ones you can get away with, you know, they appear pretty normal and, you know, you kind of wouldn't know until certain situations, but, you know, this is a spectrum and some are on one end and some are on the other. So this yeah. one's a tough one to be in a relationship. I mean, yeah. all NPD is tough to be in a relationship with, but this especially. Yeah. And you'll notice sometimes with a malignant narcissist, they can kind of separate out. And again, when we talk about, if you remember back to the last episode, we were talking about the different criteria. Uh, you know, one of those criteria is like they need to be associating with, you know, people that are serving, you know, serving their purposes that are just really amazing and extra special. And, and so oftentimes you're not going to see some of those malignant behaviors showing up in those types of situations. They're going to show up in situations where, uh, either someone is wronging them or, um, situations where the person doesn't serve a purpose, uh, for them. Um, they're not, they're not useful in mm-hmm. some way. Right. And then you'll start to see some of those malignant things coming out. So, so sometimes that gets masked a little bit and you yep. don't see it as easy as easily. Uh, again, and I love what David was talking about with the spectrum idea. Uh, I think with anything, yeah, there's a spectrum, right? Right. If you're going to get, an actual label or diagnosis of a personality disorder, you are definitely on the end of that spectrum. Right. right? I mean, you think about there's nine criteria and some will, yes. will have five and some will have nine. Yes. And so right there, there's a lot of variance. Um, Even in a full-blown personality disorder. Right. But then, you know, you've got a lot of people that might, you know, have some tendencies toward mm-hmm. it, right? But maybe don't have a full-blown personality disorder. Um, and, and again, I think that's helpful to know because sometimes you kind of listen to some of those and you go, Oh my gosh, that, that totally sounds like this person that I know or whatever. But, um, the, the further down they are on that spectrum, the more likely they are to be able to make change, uh, and make lasting change. Yep. Even anytime you're talking about personality disorder, we're talking about very long-term specialized therapy for that personality yeah. disorder yeah. to actually start seeing a change. Yep. And depending on the personality disorder, when you get antisocial, you get NPD, you're really looking at the likelihood that that's going to happen is pretty low. And, and, you know, the good news is the silver lining maybe in all this is mm-hmm. it's well researched and there are plans and processes for helping. And yeah. so this isn't like a death sentence. <laughs> yes. Um, lots of times you hear diagnosis and it's like, Oh no. Um, but you really can make a lot of improvement. Yes. And so it's not easy. It's not easy, 
It's, but it's a pretty challenging process. Hopefully, I mean, I imagine maybe some people listening to this have been diagnosed yes. with MPD. This is not like that's it for you. You absolutely like everything else. Um, your focus, your intention, your consistency is mm-hmm. more important. And so you can improve. And there is a lot of research that's been done on these personality disorders and lots of things that have proven to be successful. And so, yeah, less, probably less with nurse, with NPD, um, than some of the others, Sure, but it's like, we don't want to just cut off everybody from <laughs> your, it's not a death sentence. Yes. It's not a death sentence. Um, but yeah, it is definitely a long process. So as we're kind of looking at some of these, um, things that you'll notice. So we, you have criteria, I feel like sometimes, and you kind of read the criteria and you're like, but what does that look like in real life? Right. And how does that show up? And I think with some of the uh, pop cultural, you know, aspects of it, I think it's helpful in some ways and also harmful in some ways. Yeah. Um, And one of the things that, we notice with that is with a NPD is you're going to notice that they struggle to have empathy. Mm-hmm. They, they don't have the capacity to feel empathy. And there's again, some speculation, whether that's a learned thing, whether that's like a complete inability right. um, to feel that, but they, they don't really have the capacity to be empathetic, to be able to step into somebody else's shoes, see, um, see how they're feeling, feel, uh, feel something for them right? and what they're experiencing. Uh, now they can have learned empathy, uh, which shows up in therapy, uh, especially if they've done therapy, mm-hmm. they can learn the process of what does it look like to be an empathetic person or to have empathy in yeah. a situation. What does it look like? What does it sound like? Yes, yeah. exactly. But they don't actually, they don't have feel it right. inside of them. So they're right. sort of learning this, um, learning this process of, of what, and that's why it's called learned empathy. What does it look like? Mm-hmm. Um, so a lack of empathy, uh, they can't be wrong. <laughs> they, they don't apologize. Um, they can't take in input or feedback. Right. Which we've talked a lot about with the empathy. Yes. Um, it's tough already to receive input or feedback, but especially with NPD, it's like impossible. It's like, you just can't tell them. And that's partly, you know, we've talked about if you're in that place in their mind where you're not somebody who can benefit them, Mm -hmm. what you think just Mm -hmm. doesn't really matter. Yes. And so if you try to tell them what might be helpful, it's just. Right. And I'll say, even if you are someone that they feel like can be beneficial, right? If, again, remembering if they have this, I'm special, yeah. um, other people just can't really understand me, or the rules don't really apply to me, then then it's going to be really challenging for them to take in input and feedback mm-hmm. because it, this just doesn't, this is for other people. Uh, I don't have to feel or do these kinds of things or make these kinds of changes. Um, one of the things we all, uh, also see a lot 
with NPD in therapy is that they, uh, they'll often use therapy to get what they want. Yeah. I guess is, is a good to way to say To further their it. agenda. Yes. It's like, uh, they use therapy to become more sophisticated. Yes. Because now they can hide the NPD better. Mm-hmm. Not that they're thinking, I'm going to hide my NPD, but they can just hide right. what they want. They can they hide can manipulate what... manipulate better. Yes. Because they're knowing what to say and when, and uh-huh. which is super frustrating when you yes. s- observe this happening. And it's like, wait a minute, this is good information. These are good things. Don't misuse them. Yes. Um, yes. But oftentimes it can really get get twisted and then they have the language yeah. to manipulate a little bit more and to kind of twist things back around and, and deflect things from what's actually happening. Yep. Um, so uh, something else that, that we notice a lot with NPD, uh, you know, I'll have uh, clients or people that are talking to me about someone in their life that has been diagnosed with NPD and they will say things like, I just don't understand like my brain can't comprehend how they could do some of the things that they're yeah, doing, yeah, right? Yep. And and so one of the things that can be helpful is to look at motivations. Yes. And and if you kind of funnel their choices and their uh, decisions, all the things that they're doing, kind of funnel it through these these uh, three motivations, you're probably going to nail it, and it'll make sense. Yeah. Kind of what's going on for them. And so the first one is power and control. The second one is image. Uh, and the third one is money. And money kind of feeds into that image and power and control space. And, and this is where listening, you go, oh, it's starting to make some sense. So power yeah. and control or image or money. And yeah. it's like, oh, yeah. So maybe for this person that I'm wondering about, definitely that's like all their motivation. Yes. You think about what they do and and <laughs> why they do it and what's important because of what they spend time on or what they communicate and yeah, this this really fits pretty well. Right. Yes. Uh and and all the things that they're doing are going to revolve through that. And if you think about that again with the diagnostic criteria that we talked about last time, you're really going to see, oh yeah, that just kind of pulls everything together. Uh, so for example, I I saw a uh a vision board um, that someone with um, with NPD had been diagnosed with NPD uh, did, and it was like literally, it everything was about it was like the big house, the you know power positions, um, and uh, the you know amazing gym body you know that everybody will be uh, very jealous of. And make me look, you know, amazing, right? Those are the kinds of things that are on there, right? Right. Whereas maybe with uh, a neurotypical person's uh, vision board, you might see, oh, I want to like, you know, do this, have this goal, or maybe family, or yeah, have connections, family, or... <laughs> and connections, and and right. I want to, you know, together things, together, yes, yeah. together things, or I want to be a healthier person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those kinds of things. It just, so it just, it looks very different. And as we look at uh, narcissism and addiction, I think that's uh, worth a few minutes of just kind of discussion because I think a lot of times 
you know, David is saying, like, we get a lot of people like, oh, my, my spouse has an addiction. They're just, they're just a narcissist, right? And again, we've kind of talked about what narcissistic personality disorder, NPD, is and how it's a little different than addiction. Right. Although you do see a lot of overlap. For um, sure. Right. And, and it makes sense why somebody would come in and say, I think my spouse is a narcissist if they're in addiction. Yes. Because addiction by its nature is very self-absorbed, very selfish, makes the person unavailable. I yes. mean, this can take a normal person, well, normal, what that means, I don't know, but <laughs> in addiction, and they will appear to be like a narcissist, very driven, one... One track mind. One track mind. Focusing really on what they care about. Right. Yeah. And so it makes sense why you would be concerned about this. They have less empathy. Yep. Um, because it's all about the addiction and getting, you know, what they want and yes, the minimizing, the lying, the hiding, the manipulation, all of it. So, right. So addiction can look like narcissism and look like NPD. Um, but also they're often comorbid. Yeah. Right. And what that means is they go together, I guess is probably the easiest way to describe this. Is there a better way to describe that, David? (laughs) No, go together. Okay, they go together a lot. And especially, you know, not maybe necessarily most people who who have addiction are have NPD. Right. But a, a good chunk of those who have NPD right. have addiction. Absolutely. Because if you think about that, it, you know, it just feeds right into their space. Right. This is exactly kind of what they're... Um, what they're normally doing, that exploitative behavior of other people, especially you're looking at sex addiction. Sex addiction uh, makes uh, the addict feel very powerful, Mm -hmm. right? It makes them feel like they have a lot of control, Um, especially male NPD, right? Uh, Males with NPD, this highly sexualized individual, right? That is an image thing, right? We really, in our culture, kind of idealize the highly sexualized male, the, the guy that can get anybody and anything and, you know, all of that. So I think, I think also it's probably not a stretch to say that people with NPD are going to see, uh, stronger sexual addiction. So not just maybe porn and masturbation, but you're going to see more um, exploitation of, of other people. You're going to see prostitutes. You're going to see, um, or for sure. Right. Um, because of the sex lack of trafficked people, a lack of empathy. Yes. Um, because most people in addiction, you know, will still have boundaries. will still have a sense of this hurts people. Right. And you see how it would be really easy for someone who lacks empathy to just not have any yes. worry or concern about the impact. So Right. And and I think looking at images on a screen is gonna be less uh they're gonna it's gonna give them less of a feeling of power and control, less yeah. of a feeling of that image of being the highly sexualized uh male as opposed to actually getting out there and acting on some right. of those things. Definitely. So I think it's it's you're going to see much more likelihood of either a higher level of addiction or they're much more likely to get there at some point. Yep. So there's 
there's some uh, additional information. Again, we've got so much on this topic. <laughs> there's just so much to discuss and to kind of figure out uh, and understand. So we, we hope you'll join us for another few episodes on this Please this join topic. us. I think it'll be helpful. We will get to, I know what you're thinking, what do we do? <laughs> yes. We'll get to that. So We so are getting to it. But I think some of these, uh, understanding the under, underneath of right. it all, Definitely figuring important. out is really, really critical before you jump into some of these uh, tools and, and things like that. Yep. So we'll look for you next time. See you then. Thank you for listening to Two Therapists Talking. We look forward to sharing more conversations with you. Connect with us at twotherapisttalking.com or email podcast at twotherapisttalking.com. If you like what you're hearing, please get on and rate us and subscribe to the podcast.